Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many ways of getting our show each week. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. You could use a smartphone podcast app. That's my preference. Uh, iTunes on your laptop or iPad or whatever. Or you can turn us on every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. On our uh, show for you this week, uh, we're going to get behind one of the bigger chatbots in the world and find out how it works. But first, Tech Central's top cat, Niall Kitson, joins me with our thoughts on this week's news stories, starting with Google Street View coming to somewhere very close to my heart, and that is Dublin Airport, the actual runway. Yeah, this this is an aviator's dream, really, isn't it? I'd say as soon as you heard about this, you were onto it like a shot. I'd say within 30 seconds of seeing the headline, I was on Google Maps or something. <laughs> so uh, so I thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, like, when you get there, it's kind of like, uh, OK, so it's like a really, really wide road with no buildings at the side. <laughs> but but you know that anyway. Like I any, know. Anybody I that know. has used Dublin Airport knows exactly what you're going to see. It's just you're, you're getting it via Google, so it's kind of exciting yeah, for a minute. Do, do you know what? It was really nice. I thoroughly enjoyed Absolutely thoroughly enjoyed If you're into aviation in any way or you're just kind of curious, uh, jump onto Google Maps and do Street View at uh, Dublin Airport. And that kind of leads into the, one of the other big stories of the week, which is Microsoft HoloLens. Now, we've spoken about HoloLens and all of the virtual reality apps i kind of think that i prefer hololens because that's augmented reality so you can see what is actually around you and then they superimpose like kind of computer graphics on top of it yeah no it's it's kind of going to become i i don't think it'll be one or the other i don't think it'll be either or in the next few years you know it won't be like oh i'm a vr guy or oh i'm an ar person and and that's mm-hmm. it you know i i think increasingly i'm hearing manufacturers talk about mixed reality or, or blended reality where mm-hmm. there's a role for both and there's a wonderful video um that we have on Tech Central at the moment uh, in our coverage of HoloLens, which shows how the various kinds of um, virtual reality and augmented reality can work in tandem. So you could potentially have a person in a warehouse looking around at where things might potentially go, and you, you might decide to Skype somebody that's using VR, and they can be in a gaming world when you're chatting to them. You know, it's it's um, it's not either or. The two can work very well together. Personally, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on uh, a HoloLens, probably more than a, a VR device, because they're old news now and ridiculously expensive, and I, I've come to terms with that. Um, but. Good news this week for anyone interested in AR. Microsoft has decided they're opening up the platform that powers the HoloLens, which they're calling Windows Holographic. And uh, they're, they've just said, OK, hardware partners, go, go to it. Make make what you want. I mean, our thing that we have, it's developer only. It's $3,000. Come back to us at the other end of the year and maybe you can do something a little bit better. So, you know, we don't have to have official HoloLens stuff. We can have, you know, Asus, Acer, whoever else wants to get in on the on the action, probably Lenovo. Uh, they'll all have their own takes on it, hopefully, and 
hopefully also they'll be a little bit more affordable. And, and that's what's going to actually, you know, kind of really help Microsoft with the whole HoloLens project. Because I remember when Google first started talking about doing an operating system for smartphones, you go, know, oh, yeah, why would they want to do that? Like, oh, sure, Android is everywhere now. Uh, I, I think that is brilliant news with uh, Microsoft opening up HoloLens to the rest of the world. And some of the ideas on that video are... Um, they're a bit out there. I, I think they may have come up with somebody who's been smoking stuff that's not quite legal. <laughs> <laughs> legal in some parts of America. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Do you know what it reminded me of? I mean, it, it was very strange watching it because in some ways I, I could absolutely see the practical uh, purposes of that. And I went, yeah, they're bang on. I mean, maybe they're not showing it great on, on, on the video or maybe it's a bit too over the top. But the idea is fantastic. Uh, and then I couldn't help thinking of surrogates. You know that movie with Bruce Willis where everybody's, they've got an alter ego robot that's out there in the real world while they're still in bed <laughs> controlling wow. the robot. Okay. <laughs> If you, if you haven't seen it yet and you're into science fiction movies and stuff like that, surrogates, uh, uh, watch that. But that is excellent news about uh, Microsoft and, and HoloLens and opening up. What about the, there's some news as well this week. I can't remember it now. You probably know, uh, Google, uh, and their daydream project. Yeah, you remember, what was it even last week we were talking about Google Daydream? This is, this is going to be their new mobile, uh, virtual reality platform. And it looks quite impressive. Like, um, they have since come out and the, uh, head of Google's VR, division, if you will, Clay Bavor, has said, uh, basically, yeah, you know the way that we have this wonderful VR platform that's going to look great thanks to your mobile phone. Uh, it's probably not going to work on your mobile phone. <laughs> so if you uh, if you don't own, uh, you know, a really high-end mobile phone right now, or mo- more so likely if you're not in the market for a new mobile phone come say september october when Mm. daydream comes on the market you're probably not going to have something with the power to actually run it which is really disappointing i mean when you consider how commonplace uh, google's cardboard app is Mm. and the sort of very basic range of stuff that you can get on it um, to have sort of their flagship vr platform come along and all the hype behind it and uh, part of the deal is by the way you need to buy a new phone right now to run it or even worse you need to buy a high-end phone right now to run it it's it's kind of disappointing don't you think uh, it is a little bit but you listen you know yourself the way these things are going to work is that do not buy any kind of a phone in the hope of running daydream wait until daydream arrives okay then mm. still don't buy a new phone to run daydream wait until they bring out version two that's always the way, really, isn't it? Then invest. <laughs> then invest in the phone. If you've got if you've got more money than patience, absolutely go and buy whatever phone you can get. Yeah, it is. It's it's a bit annoying, but sure. Listen, I'm sure somewhere along the line we'll get to play with it for a few minutes, and that'll probably satisfy us uh, briefly. Tell me uh, the other story that I was going to ask you about briefly this week was the uh, the European Commission, who are and I rarely call politicians my friends, but the the EU are definitely my friends when it comes to technology and the changes in uh, roaming costs for mobile phones and all that kind of stuff. But then now the European Commission wants the internet to behave. Pretty much, yeah. I, mean, I, I have to give props to the uh, EU on this as well. I think the digital single market plan is really ambitious and, and really good. It's pro-user, it's pro-business, uh, and it's a nice framework for you know a, a checklist of things that civilised nations really have to get their house in order on, particularly broadband connectivity. So the latest thing the European Commission has come out with now is the idea of a code of conduct for 
um, social media. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, when you can log in and when you can log out and not looking at your Facebook and work. No, nothing like that. Um, what they're looking at is how to clamp down on hate speech online, but at the same time recognizing things that are, you know, just contrary to, you know, uh, contrarian beliefs or people mm-hmm. that are um, putting forward ideas that might not be possible popular or might be considered offensive but aren't necessarily damaging so uh, the EC has come out with uh, a series of guidelines that were developed with Twitter, Facebook, Microsoft and Google so the big companies that would pretty pretty much be at the front line of this kind of thing and they've come out with um, a set of uh, about 12 principles, but I can boil them down pretty pretty handily. The idea is that um, social networks have to develop clear policies for how to deal specifically with hate speech, right? So this would be the likes of, you know, terrorist groups going online looking to uh, recruit people or trolls going online looking specifically to target people and harass people. So th- this kind of thing. So behavior that's illegal already, but that there isn't that unified approach on how to deal with it. Mm. So the EC has come out and said, okay, what, uh, all, what all these companies are going to have to do, well, they're starting with the, with the um, four I mentioned, and they're hoping this will naturally spread out to other companies who will see that it's, it's actually a good idea, is you have to have clear and understandable policies in place. You have to have guidelines for what to, what to do in the event of a, a post being reported to you or, or objectionable content being reported to you. And this has to be consistent across all, all sort of platforms. So there shouldn't be a fiddly way of doing something on Facebook that's different to the fiddly way you have to do it on Twitter. It should be fairly obvious and it should be uh, quite uniform. Same time, uh, you also have to have a very easy way for people that they can report uh, material, and this is this is one bit that I like in particular. There has to be a timely response. Now they say less than twenty four hours uh, from an official moderator. I personally think that's unacceptable, but I think the point is that complaints can't go to an algorithm. They have to go to a team of humans for moderation. And I think that's really important because we all know for the moment that algorithms are smart-ish, but when it comes to things like, you know, being able to spot sarcasm, they're, they're just not, they're mm. not, they're not ready. And you know, it, it is annoying when you have a bunch of politicians telling you, you know, kind of the, the basic rules of life, never mind the internet, but just the basic rules of life. Uh, the good thing is, is that any company who's kind of half professional and working online is probably doing those things anyway, because that's how people want it to be. Nobody wants to be bullied or getting, you know, shoddy communication or, or being yelled at or, or anything like that. So I, I, I think quite good. And it's really bad for business as well. I mean, if you, if your platform is known for being the Wild West, I mean, who would want to actually do business with you? Yeah. I mean, there, there is only one Reddit, you know, and Reddit has some fairly scary ghettos, it has to be said. <laughs> well, listen, there we go. That is uh, all the news stories for this week. Now, thanks for bringing us up to date. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Tech Central. We've taken two facts and put them together to come up with a pretty neat little interview for you. Fact number one is that people ask Google all kinds of intimate questions, many of them to do with health. 
And fact number two is, if we're led to believe what Mark Zuckerberg says, bots and automated chat programs are the future. Now, someone who's put those two things together is Matteo Berlucci, who is a high-profile internet entrepreneur and is bringing us Your.md, an artificially intelligent doctor app for your phone that's had nearly a million downloads so far. Uh, Matteo joins me on Skype right now. Uh, Matteo, give me the give me the elevator pitch for Your.md. Hi, Dusty. So the elevator pitch is very simple. We try to, as you said, put together a couple of things that people are very keen on uh, on finding out and getting help with, which is uh, information about their health. Because what we all do when we're not well, we, we worry. And it's very difficult to get to a doctor because you know the, the statistics in the UK is that to see a GP takes an average of 12 days. In the US, is 18 days. And in emerging economies, is is no days because there's no doctors. Mm-hmm. So when you're not well, you just basically have a big question mark and, and you don't know where to find the right answers. So we have come up with a platform that uses artificial intelligence end-to-end to try to do three things. To understand what's wrong with you, to give you the right guidance, and then to connect you with free or private services or that can help you sorting out your problem. That's in a nutshell what we're doing with your.md. Now, you are doing this in uh, such a way so that it operates on your phone. So it's like you're chatting to a friend or having a text message conversation or a WhatsApp conversation, yeah. something like that. Tell me about the yeah. chat engine that you're using. So the chat engine is one of the things we developed, and it's, as you can imagine, is very complicated because uh, simulating or being able to understand people's language, it's uh, one of the most complex things in, um, in computing. There's actually very famous the, the Turing test, which is the test where you try to pass off as a human, and, uh, and nobody's managed to, to win the Turing test yet. And um, we have done a lot of work in the last three years, and we, we are aided by the fact that we're focusing on medical conversations. So the fact that we have a very well-defined context makes the task slightly easier. So we built our own platform, and uh, we spent a lot of time, and we spend a lot of time training it, to add as many terminology and as many colloquialism as possible, starting from the proverbial tummy ache, which is not strictly speaking a medical term, but a doctor will understand that, so we have to understand that too. So we have uh, taught our system a lot of different ways to express uh, medical problems. We also have a smart spell checker, and combining these technologies, we can uh, we can understand quite a lot of the input from the users, as you said, using a very simple um, chat interface similar to Facebook Messenger or WhatsApp. And then it also the app is able to learn from what people are saying in all the various countries where it's being used as well, yes? Absolutely, because what the system does, it picks up automatically the things it doesn't understand. So all the things we understand, great, and then the things we don't understand, they get flagged if they contain medical terminology, And those are reviewed by our team of doctors that then add that missing piece of knowledge to the system so that the next time that the next user uses that term is going to be picked up. So now you have a good interface where it's able to chat automatically as if it's a human being speaking to another human being. Um, Where then is the application getting its information from? Is it, it I, I presume, it's a credible source. 
So we have, well, I wouldn't say that we are at the level where it feels like talking to a human because that's very far <laughs> for everybody. Let's mm. say that it's pretty good at, you know, having a, a half decent conversation. Uh, and the key for us is to be able to engage with people and extract the key information we need to be able to help them. So if you say things like, I have a fever, we need to then be able to ask some useful question that gives the system enough information to to be able to understand what might be wrong with you. Hmm. So we need to decide, you know, should I ask, uh, do you have a headache or should I ask, do you have pain in your feet? So the system uses artificial intelligence to choose what type of question to ask you to enable it to narrow down the probabilities of you suffering from a certain condition. At that point, the, the guidance we give is through um, NHS information because we licensed the NHS choices content a couple of years ago. Uh, and we so we, we basically say, we think you might have this condition, you should read this content. And what's interesting about the NHS, and I've become a big fan of uh, this content, is that this information has two characteristics. It's clinically assured, which means that unlike most of the things you find on the internet, is clinically safe. So mm. whatever is written in there is, you know, the standard for the National Health Service, which means it should not hurt you, harm you. And the second thing is that it was written by a group of journalists. So the, it's written in a very easy way. The reading age for the content NHS choices is seven. So these two characteristics make it really, really uh, useful and, uh, and accessible. So you know that it's easy to understand and you know that it's rock solid information because it's it's been written by doctors. Uh, it's clinically correct and it's coming from the NHS, the National yes. Health Service in the uh, in, in the UK. So it's a terrific information source. We've got a great chat engine. So it's able to do this as if you were, you know, well, hopefully <laughs> as if you were talking to your doctor. How One about day. how about the diagnosis after all this being done automatically? Have you any idea on how accurate the diagnosis is from the app? Of course we do. So the first of all, we don't call them diagnosis because only a doctor is technically allowed to give you a diagnosis. We give you information, which is slightly different. So what mm. we do is we calculate the probability of you having a certain condition given your profile and your symptoms. So it's purely probability calculation. So we say, Dusty, based if you're in Ireland and it's summer, and you have these symptoms, and we know some other information about you, your personal probability of having the flu is X, and the probability of having hay fever is Y. So the system just works out numbers, and then it shows you the condition that have the highest probability. Hmm. So we're not technically diagnosing you, we're giving you the most relevant information. Okay? Okay. In terms of accuracy, we measure it all the time. And so what we do, we have a very long uh, list of case studies taken from a bunch of reliable sources like the Royal College of GPs, uh, Harvard University, where basically we know this, the condition of a user and the outcome. You know, we know there's a guy, this age, he's got the symptoms and he's got this condition. So we feed these through the system all the time, you know, almost daily to check that the system is giving the right the, the right advice, is coming mm. up with the matching condition. Mm. And then we give it a score and we, and we keep tracking all the time and, and, and it's getting very, very fast, much, much better. And what, what is that score at at the moment? What are you scoring out at of 100? At the moment, we're around 60% on 500 conditions, which are probably you know anything that you would ever see in your lifetime, potentially. Mm -hmm. 
But on the top 20 conditions, things like headache, back pain, and hay fever, which are the most common top 20 condition when people show up at a GP, mm-hmm. we score already 85% accuracy. Wow. So people use this app on their phone and they're able to chat to it in a very conversational kind of a way. Yeah. Uh, the app is going back to its database of information and it's giving a very good um it's a guess it's a guess yes as to what what do do people do next what's the next stage after that so the next stage is that we we use this one two three model so the first thing is we guess what might be wrong with you Mm -hmm. the second thing is we give you the nhs guidance so we give you the content from the nhs which we reformatted to be more easily read on a mobile phone Mm -hmm. so you read the information which as we said is rock solid and then the third step is we connect you with services that can help you. We launched this last step a month ago. We call it One Stop Health, for obvious reasons. Not a very imaginative name. (laughs) But basically, we're trying to gather all the service providers out there in your region, in your country, Mm -hmm. that can help you with your specific problem. And what we do, again, we use artificial intelligence to connect you based on your most likely condition with the best possible partners. So say, for example, that you want to buy some asthma drugs because we, you know, we, we, we told you that you'd be probably likely to have asthma. You can go online to one of our partners, which is Health Express, mm. and we connect you directly, specifically in the part of Health Express where you can do an online consultation with an Health Express doctor who will then decide whether you are eligible to receive an online prescription for your asthma drugs. So we essentially close the loop. Because from telling you what might be wrong with you, giving you the guidance, we also connect you with somebody who can help you, including the NHS. Because if there is a free option, we'll obviously give you the free option. Now, my guess is that quite a lot of people will drop out of the uh, loop after they've got a, a, a kind of a diagnosis and a little explanation of what they should do next. Um, how many people do you see completing the loop and then actually going and uh, engaging with one of your Oh, it's Supplies. very, we, we just started. So, I mean, the so, oh, you is, don't know. Uh, okay. Oh, it's too, not too really reliable. Start. I would expect in our modeling is the typical sort of uh, uh, conversion rate that you would see on any hmm. digital service. There will be, you know, between 0.5 and 1%. Which is very small. Well, but, it's normal. But when, when you're dealing with 10 million or maybe 20 or 100 million people, well, then you've got something to work with. So exactly. I, I, I understand. But that's the whole point. <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Global. This is a global service. So then is the business model then for the uh, uh, for the service? Because one of the things you say with URMD, it sounds fantastic. It's it's like, you know, kind of, you know, we want to be able to give you this, this information, good quality information. We want to give it to you for free yeah. forever. I was yeah. like, well, that, that's a brilliant proposition for me. Um, but obviously, you. <laughs> you, you, yes, but obviously you have a mortgage to pay and you've got food that needs to be put on tables and you know, living to yeah, make and all and that kind of stuff. it's Italian food because yeah. I'm Italian, yeah, so well. it's pricey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so where, where where is the business model for that then? Is, is it with the people uh, that you are working with who are able to supply medication or services yes, at the end exactly. of that? Yes, exactly. It's okay. a third step. If okay. we connect you to a premium or private service provider mm. and you go through the transaction, these services recognize uh, an introduction fee. Basically. There you go. All right. Well, that, that's fine. I, I never, ever uh, complain about people making money out of, out, out of a service, uh, but I always yeah. like to know who is. <laughs> that, that's simple as that. Listen, yeah. last question for you, uh, Matteo, is that your MD is 
a, a phone app for smartphones. So we can get downloaded from Google Play or we can download it from the, uh, the iPhone uh, store. Why not do this online where it's much easier to type? Uh, on, a, so, on a computer well, or a website? There's, there's, uh, it is, it's, it's a good question. We're actually putting this live uh, this weekend. Ah. <laughs> so from Monday, you'll be able to, uh, to use it directly on our website if you're in the office on your computer. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, we've already integrated with six messengers. So you can actually use your MD on Facebook without the app. You can just go to the URMD page on Facebook and send us a message, and then we'll connect you directly with the bot. Mm. So you can use your MD entirely in the same way as you would do on your phone, on your on our app, but directly through a messenger. And we're integrating with Slack, with Telegram, with Kick Messenger, and I can't remember the other one. Sorry, blank. <laughs> no worries. One. No worries. Listen, it, it absolutely sounds fascinating and I have been using it for a couple of days and it is very good. And what I like about it is because you can go online and you can ask Google about, you know, whatever problem it is that you have. But you're given a plethora of sources and some exactly. of them are very good and some of them How are... Can you r- trust them? Yeah. Exactly. But this seems like a, a, an app that I can trust and having the information coming from the NHS in the UK is is fantastic. Um, so you're making very, very good use of bots. And I think you're one of the few people who are forward thinking and instead of just sitting there thinking, oh, bots are the future, you're actually making the future happen. <laughs> Thank you very much. And of course, we're lucky because we started thinking about using... Uh, chat as an interface mm. uh, a year and a half ago and the reason why we decided to use chat was that when we started building the system we realized that we had to ask a lot of questions to the users because that's what the doctor does yeah and then if i need to ask you a lot of questions what is the best interface to do that chat so we started building our own chat interface and then suddenly everybody in the world woke up and zuckerberg <laughs> and the ceo of, uh, of microsoft they all said oh it's chat but chat and we said okay thank you good timing <laughs> so listen, tell me, doing this. <laughs> what's what's going on in that dark Italian brain of yours uh, where you're thinking, where where are we going to be in another two or three years' time with bots? I mean, what what's no, not there I, now that you're thinking, wow, it would be cool if? No, I think that when you find yourself at the right place at the right time, it's just luck. Yeah. There's no planning. You just Because it's the market coming towards us at the moment. It's not, going, it's not us going towards the market. You know, we did what we had to do because it was the right technological choice to build a product like this. And the fact that now the market suddenly is coming this way is complete coincidence. Well, listen, I think it is fantastic. And uh, and I'm recommending it to all my friends at the moment. You Thank can find you out so much. more about it uh, at your.md, uh, which is that there's no .com or anything like that. That is, that is okay. the actual URL, Y-O-U-R.md. Oh, and MD, actually, because uh, my wife pointed this out to me, and I bet you she's right, has nothing to do with being a doctor. It's for medical dictionary. Am I right? It's basically, I think the original uh, desire was to call it mobile doctor because there was idea to create a mobile doctor. Yeah. So that's why we registered .md because we like the short URL. And uh, But it's not really a doctor. I mean, <laughs> the intention here is not to be or replace a doctor, but it's to create this layer that well, I call it pre-primary care Yeah. that basically is all the information that you need to enable you to decide whether to go and see the doctor or if you need to see a doctor. There you go. And that's really the opportunity because today you do really have a choice. If you're not well, you can only go to the doctor well, because that's... nobody helps you. We want to help people in the decision process before they go to the doctor. That's why I call it pre-primary care. 
Well, listen, there you go. That's the uh, uh, that's the website. And we now know the story behind your.md. It's short and it sounds good. Thank <laughs> you very much. Matteo, thank you so much for filling us in today. All right. Stay healthy, stay happy. Health, healthy and happy. I like it. Listen, just before we go this weekend, Niall is still with us. Niall, what's our one more thing? The one more story online we couldn't squeeze into the show. Yep, um, there's a great story on techcentral.ie about a, a virtual exhibition that is coming to the Powers Court estate uh, from 2017. But get on the website, have a read of the story. It's really interesting what they're doing there. You can get more on that and all of the Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1X. Until next week, from myself to Dusty Rhodes and from Nile Tech Central HQ. Thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.